You're listening to Metrics and Chill, where you'll learn how to improve key metrics that grow your business from companies that have done it before. In this episode, I got to chat with Tori Kendlick, VP of Demand Generation at Refine Labs, to learn how they create new revenue streams for clients using their revenue R&D framework. You'll learn how they created a sort of scientific process to test new marketing channels or programs to systematically learn which have the potential to drive repeatable revenue and which they should maybe bail on. You'll also learn how this framework helps align C-suite or executives who want to know where their money's going and what they're getting for it and what they can expect in the future with their marketing teams who need time and trust and space to build out new channels. All right, Tori, thank you so much for coming on Metrics and Chill. Uh, we obviously have connected before. I'm really excited to have you on and talk about revenue R&D. Yeah, excited to be here. Thanks for for having me. Um, I, I think we'll definitely have a lot to talk about here. Uh, I know revenue R&D is a pretty foreign concept to most, um, even those of us at Refine Labs that have had a little bit more of a preview than the rest of the uh the market, um, it's still a, a, a pretty new concept to us as well. So uh, yeah, this should be fun to kind of, you know, talk through this stuff at a high level, but then get into the actual metrics involved. And um, we'll see if we have time to chill too, but definitely metrics. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, we had, we had Chris on before to talk through the hero metric. John interviewed him for the hero metric, which I'm pretty familiar with just from consuming. I know you guys have renamed the show, but state of demand, Jen, and consuming yeah. like a lot of the education on that. Um, I like the perspectives there. I like I like the scientific method. The way that you structure things in a framework is really interesting to me. So I'm I'm excited to dig into this. Um, so yeah, for listeners, this is going to be a bit of a different episode in a couple ways. One, we're going to rip through it because we have a hard out here uh, for our chat, and um, so we're going to go a bit faster paced than probably those of you listening are used to. I like we end up getting deep into the weeds, and we'll break forty minutes often. So this one's going to be faster. Um, the other thing is we're, we're like the metric is kind of revenue is, you know, kind of titled under revenue R and D. There's a lot of things that go into this. And so really it's more of talking through the framework you all are using at refine labs to set goals, uh, to drive revenue for clients, which is really interesting to me. So, um, so I guess, I mean, let's kick it off here, uh, what is revenue R&D? I see this everywhere. All the, all the refined employees are talking about it on LinkedIn. What is it? Yeah. So, um, you know, this is, this is definitely something you're going to be hearing even more noise about from the refined team uh, in the, the next couple of months and, and hopefully even further beyond that. But where revenue R&D kind of started was um, a lot of it came from, like many things at Refine Labs, us, you know, talking very openly with our clients uh, about, for us, it was, you know, some of the engagements that we had going on. But um, of course, you know, the role that we play with so many of our clients is the same role that many demand marketers are playing within their, their companies, right? And, and so um, we are able to, on one hand, you know, look at the way that we're providing services and everything to our clients and, and see things from that angle. But then from the other, you know, certainly uh, have that kind of empathetic view and understand how all these applications and challenges are, are approached um, for those that are are in-house and and uh, you know running marketing or or demand gen function at their company, um, and so where this all kind of started was that uh, really you know we at Refine Labs had a challenge with our client base that too many of our customers were looking at us as a performance marketing agency, and mm -hmm. I think that that is um, representative of so many challenges that marketers, especially demand marketers, are having 
uh, not just at like a, a, you know, an individual campaign level, but just in general, right? When looked at from the C-suite or the finance team or the sales team, it's all about, you know, uh, it's all about leads. It's all about, you know, dollars in versus dollars out. And of course, you know, those things are are important, um, but there's a uh, an appropriate way to to manage these things. There's a pragmatic way to manage these things. And so, um, what revenue R and D this framework really um, really does is it it creates a uh, you know a, a single aggregated view that um, marketers, demand marketers, uh, revenue marketers, whatever group of marketers you want to call it, can utilize um, to better communicate and and showcase the current and active programs that they're managing and the maturity of those programs, right? And so like, I think a great, for instance, would be, you know, let's say you just kicked off a new marketing experiment, you're starting to run LinkedIn paid media, uh, you know, that's great. And that's exciting. But um, you can't look at that under the same lens as maybe like an outbound sales motion that has been tweaked and matured for, you know, the past five to 10 years. Uh, and so what this this revenue R&D framework really does is it creates a stage gate process um, with very specific and standardized metrics that uh, marketers should be utilizing to help display the maturity and um, and show, you know, to the leadership team, to the executives that, you know, this is where things are at currently. This is what it's going to take us to, to get to that next phase. Um, and this is potentially the amount of time it might take us to really show these these results uh, and and it allows marketers to level set with um, you know people that have an eye on on revenue in the company, but uh, it also allows them to push back and and encourage people to practice a little bit of patience with the results that they're expecting from some of the work that that the marketing team and that the demand marketers are doing. Um, and so it's it's really important for for all those reasons. Uh, and I think that. Um, you know, the the other part of this zooming out even further is that like part of where this came from is is Chris, our, our founder and CEO, uh, he's got an engineering and a product management mindset. And so what he's really looking at here is, like you mentioned, that scientific method, that stage gate process um, where you can effectively take a, a, a program um, from, you know, just an idea uh, all the way to a ROI positive predictable revenue engine. Um, and, you know, uh, at that point, you know, kind of make some decisions about how you want to continue managing that and ideally focus your team's time, energy, and resources elsewhere on like identifying new channels or programs to explore or maturing others at a more accelerated rate. And so, um, yeah, I think, you know, a, a lot of what we're talking about here is just a new way to view and measure the impact and the maturity of your 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 marketing programs, um, which is not something new to marketers, uh, but is a new way to, to really look at these things. And so, um, you know, it, that I think is, uh, you know, maybe a, a good way to set the stage here. Okay. Awesome. I have, uh, yeah, lots of, lots of follow-up questions. So I'm excited to dive in here. So for, just to help me continue to get an understanding. So is this a framework that, I mean, so I, I know, um, some of the context behind it, right. Is like the definition of demand gen keeps kind of moving. Um, you all are obviously vocal champions of what demand gen should mean, or, you know, that, it, or the, the difference between demand creation and demand capture. And some of these things we've talked about on the show before, um, is revenue R&D a framework 
of a way for marketing and C-suite, or I guess the entire company to view all the existing channels to that drive revenue, both traditionally sales and marketing. It puts them all under one thing and it views them holistically with their, each, each channel gets their own expectations, their own like projections and things like that. So it's like one for lack of a better term, like one dashboard view sort of of like, here's all the ways the company's making money and the things you can expect or the criteria you need to hold to each individual channel. Or is it a scientific method of how to implement a revenue generating program? If, the, if that makes sense. I'm not sure if if that question makes sense, but yeah. So I, I no, you're, you're thinking about it the right way. Um, right. And, and the important thing, I think I'll, I'll, I'll double click on there for you is like looking at things holistically and, and things in this instance is any effort that's driving revenue for the company, right? So whether it's sales, whether it's marketing, whether it's partners and channels, um, it, it doesn't matter. Uh, and again, kind of going back to the, you know, where this all came from, um, when companies are developing products and using the R&D, you know, stage gate process for product development, uh, again, the idea is that they're developing something that is going to be a revenue source for the company. And so um, why are we not looking at marketing and sales in the same way? And, and so, you know, when you kind of think about how to utilize something like this, uh, while yes, there are standardized, um, let's call them exit criteria for each of the phases and, and, you know, what we're recommending as far as, as, uh, you know, determining if, a if, a uh, one of your programs is in that, that first, you know, experimentation phase or all the way, you know, uh, into something that is past proof of concept and, and is, you know, much more predictable and ingrained in the business, um, you know, what this allows you to do is to, uh, create a, a, a view. And within that view, there's going to be, you know, kind of a program hierarchy, right? So that, uh, let's say your program in this instance is LinkedIn within LinkedIn, you're going to have a, um, uh, let's say paid initiatives. Uh, you're going to have kind of owned, um, maybe earned initiatives, right? Uh, and so you might have your LinkedIn paid, uh, you might have your LinkedIn organic, you might have employee advocacy, all of these things belong under the LinkedIn program. And so that program itself is going to have um, a set of, of uh, success criteria that helps you figure out which stage it belongs in within the revenue R&D pipeline. But each of those initiatives underneath that LinkedIn program is going to have their own success metrics. Right? right. You wouldn't look at like employee advocacy and what that does for a company and determine its success in the same way that you would paid media. And so in that way, there is a, an ability for each company, each marketer, each user of this, this approach to customize it and make it applicable to their business and their experiments and what they know about their ICPs, while at the same time trying to, to, to create this more standardized flow so that um, you know, company to company, you can you can really utilize this model the same way, kind of like how um, you know MQLs were once uh, recommended to be used. And and I, I think there's been such an overemphasis on MQLs over the past ten to twenty years that um, that model is broken. 
And so, you know, this is effectively a, a new model that that could be that could be utilized. And hey, you know, there might be some MQL initiatives within that that as well, and that's okay um, because it's all about you know the experimentation, uh, looking at things through a true kind of apples to apples view, and um, and really helping you know uh, understand and judge the success and maturity of of one program aligned to the next, no matter who owns it, no matter how much money is being put into it. Uh, you know, we need to be kind of taking a more level headed view on, on, you know, uh, which, you know, what the, the expectations of, of some of our, our, our work, our, our time and our energy are, are really going to yield for us, um, whether that be sellers or marketers. So, um, Okay. So let's, I think probably this is the best way to kind of get into like the, the, how you move the needle on its stage. Let's talk about, you've got, a you've got a series. I'm trying to, I'm trying to off the top of my head, think of someone who like fits your profile. You've got like a series C SaaS, a B2B SaaS company. Um, they've maybe successfully gotten some demand capture pro or uh, demand creation running. Uh, you know, they're doing some, some, uh, more innovative demand creation methods through LinkedIn paid. They've got some good organic, uh, you know, brand channels or demand creation channels going on social. Um, you know, maybe they've got like a newsletter running, things like that. And then like, they're still utilizing Google ads successfully for like the demand capture piece. Like they're, they're still showing up, you know, to be found what people are ranking for. Um, now you've got this revenue R and D thing. So I guess, so I guess like, you know, hopefully at this stage, yeah, by following what, by the clients following what you all would lead them through and recommend before sales and marketing were more aligned than sometimes they are traditionally. Like there's, there's maybe the qualitative attribution method set up and tracking. You're comparing that side by side with, with maybe like what marketing automation software shows. So there's some of that foundation. Now you come in and implement revenue R and D um, what, what, what are you going to do first? Like what's different than like that? Like, like, so that's a very common picture I see yeah. on LinkedIn. Like, oh yeah, every, like we're so many companies are on board this demand creation, demand capture thing, but now you all come in, what are you looking to do with that client? Yeah. So, um, the, the first thing that we'll do, no matter the client, right. No matter what stage they're in they're they're, you know, seed stage, if they're in stage D, if they're public company, it doesn't matter. We're going to be running an audit to, to really understand a couple different things. Number one, um, are there infrastructure gaps? And by infrastructure gaps, what I mean most specifically is do they have an ability to measure all of these programs? Do they have their Salesforce or HubSpot instance set up the right way? Um, do they have all the right kind of, you know, lead and opportunity objects that are, are, are flowing from one to the next? And, and you know, uh, do they have all the appropriate bi-directional syncs going on and, and the, the right MarTech setup for, for their company, for their industry, for their ICP and their operations? Um, once we can confirm that everything is where it should be there, then we could say, all right, you know, we have the foundation that we need here, or at least part of it to, to you know, start operating the revenue R&D approach. Uh, the other piece that that I think is critical to the foundation is the content engine, right? And you, so your content engine, again, this is not something that I, I think you want to look at in the same lens as like, you know, your Google AdWords campaigns or your LinkedIn campaigns. Um, your content engine is going to be something that, again, is, is going to be uh, a critical piece to everything that you do. And it's going to feed into, you know, all of your, your programs in one way or another. But that doesn't really need to be looked at um, under this the same lens and, you know, uh, with an eye towards true ROI positive and, and profitability and, and all that. 
Um, so once you have your foundation set, then really what we're looking to do is, uh, is you know, kind of bucket their major programs on the revenue R&D pipeline. And when what we're really looking to do there is, is identify, um, you know, whether it be like a channel specific program like LinkedIn or like Meta uh, or like Google, um, we want a zoomed out view and one that we're going to effectively be able to determine, you know, what is coming from this channel overall, whether it's from UTM codes and, and attribution data, or whether it comes from self-reported attribution, or whether it comes from sales reported attribution. Uh, there's a lot of different ways that we can be collecting the, the signals here and, and ensuring that they're tied to that lead or contact object, that they're tied to the opportunity object so that we know that we can measure it the right way. And what that's going to allow us to do is really determine which phase uh, the program sits in today. So I'll go through the phases quickly here just for all the, the listeners. The first phase is experiments, right? So an experiment, you know, could just be an idea at this point, um, but what you're looking for mainly is that it's it's live and in market, right? Um, now your experiments, I think the 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 important part of like, and I guess the part that everyone's most interested in related to the, the, the phases is the exit criteria. So how do you move out of that experimentation phase? What we're recommending, what we're looking for there is, is 10 attributable conversions to that program. And so what I mean by that is it could be self-reported attribution. It could be, um, again, that direct response UTM code attribution, or you know maybe it's something coming from a, a salesperson. As long as it's being collected and stored in the, the CRM, that's what's most important, not necessarily mattering where it's, it's coming from, as long as you're getting that that signal. And then, um, you know, you can really understand, all right, you know, uh, that's why we're looking at things from this zoomed out view. So with LinkedIn in general, we want to say we as a marketing team want to determine is LinkedIn the, the right the right channel for us to be on, whether it means we're spending money there or our employees are posting there regularly. And when you think about, um, you know, how you're going to be obtaining the signals that this stuff is working, let's say in terms of self-reported attribution, if someone comes in, they're not going to say, unlikely to say, oh, I saw Jeremiah's post on LinkedIn that he posted on this particular day. They're just going to say, LinkedIn is the channel that, right. that I heard about you, right? And so that's why, you know, this view uh, encompasses all of that. That's why we want to we want to nest all of these, you know, both paid and organic um, initiatives underneath the larger program, because the, the signals that we're looking for are not necessarily going to be um, pointed at any of the individual tactics or, or initiatives. They're going to be just talking about the channel in its entirety. And so... so so real quick, just to interrupt you here. So, so this, this makes a ton of sense to me. So, okay. So we could be doing like, like you said, employee advocacy, um, people, you know, five members of our team are posting, generating a ton of impressions and people are seeing, oh, who's this person? This is from Databox coming over, coming to the website, signing up or whatever. We maybe have like a strong organic presence from the brand account and then we're running paid ads. And your point is like, whether you use automated software or self-reported attribution, people are just going to say LinkedIn, like maybe once in a while, they're going to say, saw Pete's post and loved it. But for the most part, they're going to just say that. And yeah. so when you say this experiment phase, you're looking like, can we use this? Uh, would this be, would, would this be, would a, would a program be synonymous with a channel? Like we're like, we're looking to learn if LinkedIn can work for us. 
And then it's just a matter of like which way it's working. But you first are trying to see like, is this even worth focusing our time on? Like, like, okay, LinkedIn drove 10 conversions. So it's worth us expanding our efforts there. Yeah. And, and so um, I, I think many times the, the program can be synonymous or, or interchangeable with, with channel, but uh, not always the case, right? Because you might also have, let's say, outbound sales as one of your programs on there. Your outbound sales team is going to have a number of different initiatives that they're focused on. And each of those initiatives is going to have its own respective success metrics. But what your C-suite, what the leaders care about is is our outbound sales program working, right? And so that's what this 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 view allows you to see very quickly is is what's working, what's working the best. And somehow, some way, we as marketers got into a position where it's really difficult for a lot of us to say what's working and what's not. And this revenue R&D pipeline makes it crystal clear uh, as far as what's working and what's working the best and you know which things are moving from stage quicker. Uh, and so there's a lot of different ways to to really say, you know, these are our most effective programs, but um, what you really want, right, that end state, when what program gets to that, that fifth phase, um, you want it to be, uh, you know, not just ROI positive, but you want it to be predictable, right? So that um, when you're going through, let's say right now your 2023 planning, if you've got one of your programs in phase five, that means that that it is probably a dollars in dollars out formula, or it is a, you know, if we put this many people on this particular right. program, this is what it's going to yield. Most of our programs as marketers and sellers are not there. And so, you know, this allows us to be more, more strategic about where we're spending our time and energy. Uh, and so, yeah, so, so that is the, the, the first phase, the first phase, that's the jumping off point, right? That's the, the experiments. Second phase, positive signals. So with positive signals, um, really what we're looking for here is pipeline generation. Uh, now in both phase one and phase two, this is not time bound yet. We are really just looking for, you know, uh, are we seeing the right signals that, okay, this is a channel or, or a collection of tactics on a channel that is, is helping us drive results. And so once you get out of the, okay, people are raising their hand and saying, this is where they heard about us. We know there's something here. You want to get into not just are people hearing about you and raising their hand, but are those legitimate opportunities that the sales team wants to work? And so again, you know, some refine labs verbiage here, this is when we start to see hero pipeline, hero being high intent revenue opportunity, typically between 20 and 30% of those opportunities are going to move to a closed one deal. Um, and so in this phase two, in this positive signals phase, what you're looking for here is that uh, you know, the rule, I would say loosely, we're looking for $200,000 in hero pipeline. The challenge with using a, a specific metric like that is for some smaller companies, $200,000 might be absolutely impossible right. for some larger yeah. companies. They might sneeze and get $200,000 out, you know? So it, it's, uh, I think more importantly, it, it should be looked at as like, um, you know, a combination of the, uh, the volume of conversions that you're seeing and your average deal size. Um, we're finding that just for simplicity, uh, you know, saying kind of $200,000 or a quarter million dollars or so in, in high intent revenue opportunity pipeline is enough to say, all right, there's something here. Um, let's continue focusing our time and energy here uh, and see if we can get it to phase three. And so once you see that hero pipeline, um, that's when you, you get to phase three, which is the repeatability stage. So now there is a time constraint around it. 
not only do we want to see the $200,000, $250,000, but we want to see that for three months in a row. Right. So it's not just like, okay, you know, maybe we saw some success here, but can we do it consistently? Can we see this over the course of, of an entire quarter uh, on a month to month basis? And, um, and, you know, uh, and do we feel like, you know, that not only are we seeing the positive signals, not only are those signals moving into pipeline, but is it continuing to happen time and time again to the point where we can say, all right. Now that we're through these first three phases, we are officially out of the proof of concept phase. Now we can move into phase four, commercial integration. This is when we're starting to get more into that, that legitimate predictability. Phase four is when we do want to start to, to look at something and say, you know, we've been doing this for a while now. Maybe it's taken us, I don't know, six months, depending on the program. But um, now we want to make sure that we're seeing... Uh, that we're seeing, you know, more than a million dollars in that that cumulative pipeline, um, and that uh, you know we're starting to see some of that move into close one revenue. And so uh, again, you know, we've moved beyond the 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 signals, the hand raisers. We moved beyond the pipeline. Now this is truly this this program is truly generating revenue for the company. And so you're starting to see, okay, you know, now as the executives are going to start paying attention. All of a sudden, this right. is, you know, this is on the radar, you know, this is this is helping them get to that that bottom line number that that they're being tasked with or that the shareholders or the investors care about. And so once you've got that, um, you know, that consistent production of pipeline, once it's moving into close one revenue, uh, now, you know, you're in that finally in that fifth phase that we're kind of calling scale and sustain. And so at this point, you've got a, a, a mature program. Um, you know, you've got something that, uh, again, to kind of reference what I said before, it might be a dollars in dollars out formula or, you know, the amount of people that you're, you're allocating to this, um, you know, you can predict the amount of revenue that's going to come out the other side and you can figure out the right way to scale it. Uh, or maybe you break it off into another piece and take it uh, part of it all the way back to phase one and say, hey, we're going back to experimentation phase again, but we know we've got a, a formula that works here. We're going to keep letting that work. Maybe we'll identify some you know, more mid-level to junior level resources that can continue managing these things. Because if there's one thing we know as marketers, it's that it's a lot easier to manage an effective and smooth running program or, or campaign or experiment than it is to identify brand new ones. And so- sure. You know, you definitely want your your uh, your best people focused on launching those experiments and and figuring out if they're going to work. And um, you know, and for us, like uh, you know, a a firm that's been managing this for clients, at this phase is when we say, hey, maybe now this is something that you want to take in house, and we will allocate our Refine Labs resources on new channel exploration. So we're going to go back to the starting point. You've got something here that we have proven has worked. It's consistent. It is predictable. You know what you're getting. Um, you take ownership of this and we're going to go focus our efforts elsewhere. And you can take that same approach for, you know, your marketing team as well uh, that we're taking, you know, with how we kind of utilize this framework with our clients. So high level, that's kind of a walkthrough of the five phases and and the exit criteria on how to advance things through that uh, you know that stage gate process. Um, and this is something that we are now starting to kind of build. Uh, we're using Monday.com to to kind of track these things for uh, for all of our, our clients' programs. Uh, like I mentioned, there's a lot of of focus and customization going on within the programs themselves, which are pretty, for the most part, similar from from client to client. 
But within each of those, there's different initiatives and different tactics underneath those initiatives. And that's really where, you know, you're kind of putting your fingerprints on things and um, and figuring out what the appropriate, you know, channel level or, or uh, you know, um, platform level metrics are to to determine the success of, of some of those tactics and, and you know, micro experiments. Okay, this is awesome. I was taking notes furiously, as you probably saw. Um, <clears throat> I know we, we got to wrap in, in a little under 10 minutes. So um, let me try and hit these quick. So so do you run this revenue R&D uh, framework for each program then? This is like program contingent. This isn't like, so this isn't like a thing a company adopts and it's just a way to view things. It's like an actual scientific process to take a program, which sometimes is synonymous with a potential channel like Google or LinkedIn, and you're going to run those programs through this. And once you get, if they make it to stage five, that has that scientific experiment, so to speak, has ceased. And now you can run revenue R and D for the next program. That's kind of the idea. Uh, yeah, par yes, partially. I think um, all of your programs are going to sit on the same, that same pipeline, that same revenue R and D pipeline. They're all going to be plotted against, you know, next to one another. And, and that is, is part of the beauty of this is that it helps you visualize and your executives visualize where some of your brand new experiments are, where some of your very mature experiments and programs are, and helps them understand, okay, we should not expect the same results from this brand new experiment as we do from this, you know, this one that we've been managing for a couple of years now. Um, and so I think that's, you know, a really critical part of it. But, um, you know, like for another example, right, I've been talking about LinkedIn, we've mentioned Google as well. Uh, podcasts is a great one, you know, to, to think through, right? So podcasts, that's going to be your program. And maybe in, you know, in terms of, of Refine Labs, right, if there's anyone listening right now that, that uh, you know, has been following along the, the Refine Labs journey for a while, you might be familiar with the State of Demand Gen, what is now called the Revenue Vitals podcast. That's going to be one of our initiatives under the podcast program. Obviously, that particular initiative is extremely mature, and that is, frankly, what like the company has been built on at this point. But we do have, um, you know, uh, like our Stacking Growth podcast, which is much less mature. We're seeing very uh, a much smaller volume of, of positive signals for that particular experiment. And so um, you you can look at the program holistically. You can look at it from a zoomed out view, but even within those those programs, there's going to be nuances where some things, some of your tactics and initiatives are are really fruitful and are really mature and others are not. And so, um, you know, just for to keep things organized, it is best to kind of map them uh, and nest them all under a, a single program. And it's and it's easy to for people to visualize. But for those of us that are in inside this stuff day to day, uh, you know, we know that there's a lot of nuance to these things. And, and we do want to kind of, um, you know, look at them a little bit differently, even if they do all sit within the same bucket on a on a revenue R&D pipeline. So will you strip down? Will you will you pare down as you're going through these five steps? If you have podcast and maybe you're guesting on other shows, you're you just started a brand new show and then you've got this really mature thing running. Um or LinkedIn, our example, where you're, you know, using it three different ways. Are you using the the attribution models, the, the UTM, the qualitative, the things like that to pare down? And eventually by the end of step five, do you want to have shaved off? Like if you're trying three things on LinkedIn, but one's not working, do you want to have shaved that thing off? 
or is are like do you not get that granular like in other words if someone comes in and they say podcast in the how did you hear about us how will you know if it was guesting on another podcast like metrics and chill you know or or like your mature podcast or the new one that you just started how does that impact into refining this yeah and so and and that is i i think you know the challenge that that many of us um are facing and and we don't want to start obsessing over attribution again, right? You know, we've all been down that path before. We don't want to go back down it. Uh, and so I think the most important thing, right, is that people are coming inbound and raising their hand and turning into buyers and saying, I heard about you from a podcast. Um, now, within each of the podcasts that you're running, uh, depending on the maturity um, or the effectiveness of them, uh, historically, at least, you know, uh, you might be trying out different tactics. And so like with our stack and growth podcast right now, we're trying out some new tactics like live events, AMA events, right? And so um, it, there's a, uh, it's it's unlikely that we're going to see any type of, of attribution data that's going to help us decipher which of those has been more effective. And, and so like within that, um, that's why we really want to kind of apply different success criteria to the initiatives uh, because, you know, there is so much variation between them. So for us on, on Stacking Growth Live, right, it might be, um, okay, we held a, a live event instead of just put out the recorded podcast and, you know, we had 75 people on the live event this week. The next week, maybe we had 80 people the next week, right? And so we're looking at trends to determine is Stacking Growth Live working well for us? Um, but Again, like what the people that are leading the company care most about is, is podcasting right. an effective approach for us? And, you know, is this an area that we want to continue paying attention and time and energy and resources? Uh, and we figure out how to how to apply those resources or, or budget um, just based on what we know about the nuances and the wrinkles within them. So the main pains this solve that I'm hearing is it provides a systematic approach, a rinse and repeat approach to to verify or test if a new channel or a new program is worth investing in. It gives everything a fair shake and holds them to the right qualifications. So you're not cutting off too early. Um, so it takes everything into account. It takes leading indicators into account. It takes like lagging indicators into account. It judges everything fairly. So for the marketers, this gives them a more systematic approach and, and it gives their ideas a real fair shake, a real six months to see if they can come to fruition. And every time they kind of unlock the next phase, they get a couple more months to keep trying because, because leadership can trust, okay, they've seen enough to unlock the next phase and this is worth investing in. And then like you're saying, C-suite or leadership, really all they care about, like they don't care about like podcast A versus podcast B, just where's our money going and is it generating things? So this gives them the bullet, the bullet list. Like I want to know what my marketing programs or what my revenue programs are generating. And when we put X amount of time or money and what are we getting out for it? It gives executives that answer and it gives marketers some breathing room to really try new things and experiment but in a more systematic approach where it's not just like, oh, trust and believe indefinitely. Exactly, exactly. And, and you know, and I think part of, of what we're trying to do with standardizing some of these, these metrics, even though some of them are formula based and are going to be, you know, uh, like the revenue ones and the pipeline ones are going to be specific um, to each of the companies and their, their different deal sizes. Uh, but, 
you know, what it also is, is going to allow us to do is, is, you know, all of us to be kind of utilizing the same framework to understand, you know, what's working and, and what is not. And so it, you know, it's not about uh, trying to define what do you consider an MQL? What do you consider an opportunity? Right. But that we're all kind of, you know, uh, using some type of, of consistent metrics and consistent success criteria here to understand, you know, uh, yeah, what should we expect from some of what we're doing? And and more importantly, um, are we, you know, uh, giving our experiments enough room to breathe and, and show fruit? Um, and then conversely, you know, uh, knowing when to pull the plug on something because it's just not showing the, the right amount of signals within the, right. the right period of time, because that's that's another element uh, to this, too. It's like we can't just sit here and pretend that every experiment we run is going to just right. move from stage one to five. Some of them are going to stall out right out of the gate. And, and so it's important that um, although those first two phases are not time based, uh, you know, if let's say you're not moving something from phase one to two and starting to get towards phase three and let's say a six month period, you should probably know that it might be time to pull the plug on that particular program and figure out, you know, if you want to be biding your time elsewhere. Corey, this has been really awesome. Um, it's been fun to learn about. Uh, I'm keen to follow. Maybe we'll hit you with some follow-up questions. We typically post these threads on cool. LinkedIn summarizing the episode. So if you'd be down, it'd be cool to like let listeners hit you with some follow-up questions. I know we are a bit briefer on time today, but I really appreciate you coming on. Thank you for sharing everything and you know, look forward to, to following along with your journey moving forward. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. And uh, yeah, yeah. Follow all the Refine Labs folks, and uh, you know they'll be able to to kind of show you the latest and greatest. Uh, we're, we're publishing everything these days. Awesome. Thanks so much for listening. If you found this episode valuable, check out our other episodes or subscribe to get new ones. If you want to support the show, we'd love for you to leave a review or share it with someone. And if you want a tool to help you track and improve your business performance, try DataBox free at databox.com.